welcome to another episode of Common Sense Mia. I'm your host, Will Reed. Uh, today, I am joined by a dear friend, Laura Beener, who is the uh, founder uh, and CEO slash, 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 fill in the blank. <laughs> she does so many things. Um, she's the founder and CEO of The Healing Rose, a uh, CBD brand and full product line, very full product line, <clears throat> based in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, Laura, thanks for thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. I'm so grateful to be here and for the opportunity to join you. Yeah. So, like, you know, this is all pretty new for me. But the the fact the the point of these conversations is to um, hopefully demystify a lot of things about the cannabis industry and and talk about um, kind of the 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 biographical path that you know we as entrepreneurs take. Um, to get to where we are, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we can lend, lend some, uh, you know, lend some knowledge to anybody listening to this, um, uh, who are trying to start a cannabis company or who are interested in like, you know, I get this all the time. Like, how did, how do I get into the cannabis industry? And it's just like, I have no idea like where to even begin to answer that question. Um, <laughs> but I hope that we can at least again, demystify it a little bit. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, you and I go back several years. You were one of like probably the first. <laughs> you were one of the first people I think I met uh, outside of Vermont uh, in sort of <laughs> working in the space. You know, it was pretty new for you. I think maybe in your first or second year, yeah. um, we met at one of the New England cannabis conventions. I think yeah, the first I one think, in Maine. Yeah, or maybe we met at um, Vermont Hemp Fest by Hetty Vermont in September, maybe of met. that year of 2017. Yep. That would yep, be my. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So a <laughs> few years ago now, but I remember seeing you there and, you know, not knowing you then as I do now, but just and without trying to blow smoke, but just thinking how brilliant the whole setup you had at the trade <laughs> show was, right? Like, as you are right now uh, behind you, like completely branded, like everything. But and that this is before everybody was doing that sort of thing. But everything you had was, you know, all of your uh, employees were all dressed in gear and, and you had the massage table and um, the <laughs> huge line of beautifully built CBD products. Um, so yeah, you, you were one of those early people I saw and I was like, oh yes, these are one of the people who get it, you know? <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's get into it. I'm, I'm kind of curious um, where the healing rose came from and, and how you got to it. You're a a young entrepreneur, um, yeah. you know, you started this uh, several years ago when you were even younger, presumably, uh, <laughs> unless you're a time traveler, which is possible. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I, I started, I'm, yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. I started the healing rose when I was, um, 25 and it was less than a year out of college. So I kind of jumped right into it, which is the way you, I think to do you it. didn't even hesitate. <laughs> you didn't even think of anything else. I mean, I think that's great. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm an older entrepreneur in that, like I went through several phases of, of career, you know, having careers before I actually decided, uh, you know, that I wanted to strike out on my own, but how, why weren't you scared? Weren't you, weren't you like terrified? That's an interesting question. I kind of didn't have a lot of fear going into the business. I was right out of college. I've wanted to be an entrepreneur since I can remember. Um, I think it was like fourth grade. I was hustling roller skating lessons and like tours of the woods behind my house to the neighborhood kids. Mm -hmm. 
And um, like 9-11, when that happened, I actually set up a little American like memorabilia stand and we were selling stickers and like pins. Um, so I've just kind of always had that in me. And I went through pretty much my whole life saying I'm going to be my own boss. So that's kind of like what I always envisioned for myself. And yeah, I, I never found it to be like scary at the beginning. There's right. scary moments during entrepreneurship, especially when yeah. the, the risks get bigger. But in the beginning, it's actually kind of a lot of fun. And you're like not afraid to make mistakes. Now it's like there's a lot more weighing behind every decision. So I'd say in the beginning, it's a lot more fun than scary. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, you know, we were talking about the demystification. That's a perfect point. Like for me, I had the exact opposite experience. Mm. You know, I had to go through, I, I wasn't terribly entrepreneurial growing up uh, or even post-college. I would say I was fairly nomadic, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I, I, think I did have a lot of preconceived notions you know I didn't go to business school I didn't mm. you know I didn't have an MBA you know I I, I didn't you, you know there's so many things that you don't know you think of like even accounting and you're like ah you know mm. like, uh, so yeah. there was a lot of these preconceived notions that you know maybe I projected as fears on mm. all the reasons why I shouldn't do this and for me eventually it was like I'd gone through so many experiences of you know retail or sales and customer service whatever and and you just you know I'm the I'm one of those terrible people who just looks at everybody and sees all the things that they're doing wrong and can say I can do it better uh (laughs) until finally I was you know I had an inner dialogue where it was like you know put up or shut up um so I'm always envious of just like, you know, people like you, they just like jumped in. It's so amazing. Like, yeah, I will say going to business school gave me a lot of confidence. Obviously um, I went to Northeastern for entrepreneurship and marketing. And I also did two years um, in my undergrad at Babson. So I kind of just um, was just in the business world and the, the college sense for so long and at taking entrepreneurship classes, I felt like I was ready. Like I had already been sketching out businesses for a year and a half before launching too. Um, And I think definitely going to business school, I mean, there's a lot of degrees that are questionable if they are worth the the cost, but I do feel that that gave me just a lot of confidence. I was a teaching and research assistant for an amazing professor there that also gave me a lot of confidence. I was teaching classes and things like that. So yeah, I think that definitely just helps take away any of the fear and giving me a good foundation in all the different parts of entrepreneurship and running a business totally yeah I guess you either learn it or you live it you know you either learn it and live it or you just live it and learn it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like I mean business school is way different than real life but obviously having a good foundation and there's all that stuff online too so if you know if you aren't able to go to college there's still ways to educate yourself on the foundations of business that can really give you a, a lot better chance of success and no one teaches you the confidence side of it and that's I would say the most mm. important thing because it you know once once you can get through the you know the the simple I believe in myself which sounds so corny but it's for me it was such a big thing like I had to you know I, I really did have to sort of convince myself of that in, in some ways uh, before I, I felt ready to to jump in you know because you know you got bills to pay and you don't know how you're going to be able to make that work in the in those mm. early stages as you're building your company it was you know that that was really scary how did you 
why the healing rose. And I, what I mean is like, how did you know to go into CBD, you know, as you're in business school, like, what were you seeing? Were you, were you paying attention to the, you know, the cannabis space or were you yeah. always kind of tangentially involved? Mm-hmm. So, um, 2013, I went down to, or I guess out to Colorado for the high times cannabis cup out there. Yeah. And it was wild. I mean, cannabis had just yeah. Legal, but they couldn't sell it so they were just giving it out pretty much everywhere and there were dabs everywhere hundreds of tents um and I was just like oh my god this is going to be an industry and it wasn't like that at home you know there were some underground events happening that I loved going to as a cannabis patient um but just kind of seeing oh my god I can make this a career and I can make this a business um wow. just kind of let me focus all my business classes on cannabis like I would write every paper I could on cannabis um, and I was a really good student. I graduated cum laude. So I was at the top of my class, really engaged in all my classes. And anytime I could talk about cannabis, I would. So it's just always trying to change the stigma as a cannabis patient. Um, and I think like, yeah, I don't know. It really was just, I've wanted to be in this industry for eight years. So like I've, I you love this plant. And yeah, and ca- the cannabis itself, especially in Massachusetts, it's really expensive to get into. Um, and that's why we took a little turn um, at the start of 2017 and just strictly focused on hemp. So we were like, Massachusetts isn't going legal anytime soon. I mean, what had passed, but like it took over two years to actually get yeah. recreational going and you need millions of dollars at this point to get in. So while there's routes in that we're exploring, um, just straight up owning a license wasn't in it for me. I don't want to take on investors. I wanted to always retain all my equity in my business. That's like a really big goal of ours. So you start small and hemp is just really accessible for everyone to be able to get into as a business. So I really like that. So you, you saw an up, you know, com- coming up, you know, you, you saw the opportunity as you went out West. I had the same exact experience. You know, I, mm-hmm. I went out there in 2014 and I said, wow, everything looks really bad. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, yep. how did none of you have websites? And, and I had a, I had a very similar experience though, but it's, um, it, you know, sometimes it does take that kind of like, like aha moment. You know, I, I love, I love hearing about that. I can it's, still like picture the giant crowds of people moving and there was like no room. And I'm just, I was just like a kid in a candy shop. And my friends behind me were like way too high. And they were like, oh, I'm really tired. I'm like, we need to go around and talk to like every booth we can. This is crazy. Um, so yeah, it just was like that aha moment. And then um, I went to Chalice also in 2016 before actually launching the Healing Rose. And there were so many topicals everywhere. Um, that's out in California. And there were probably like 500 booths. It was yeah. 106 degrees in July. There were ambulances everywhere taking away people passing out from dehydration and overheating. <laughs> And we were just going around just like, again, kids in a candy store, like booths from all over the country. It was highly gray area. Um, totally. And they don't do that event anymore. So I knew, no. and I knew that it was special. I'm like, this won't happen as legalization keeps growing and getting more legit. So I took it in. I took it into every moment. And actually at those type of events, you can go around and ask the booths. And if you can get any of the entrepreneurs to answer a question or two. Um, I'd ask them like what their story was, like why they're passionate about this or how you make this. And a lot of people will talk to you about that kind of stuff. So I, I feel there's a lot of value, especially if you're just getting into the space of going to events and just making your face known and talking to people. It's really a good way to get in. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I know how important those were for you. Um, mm. But obviously like we're living in a, a, a different world right now and, and you know, 
we're we're recording this in early January, but it, I think it'll be released in a, a month or two. Um, hopefully, it'll be a different different world then. Um, um, but the you know the events, like I said, you know when mm -hmm. I first encountered you, like I was, you it was really a spectacle. Like it it was an all inclusive sort of experience that you were offering, and as your business grew. The, that experience grew and with every trade show that we went to together because we you know we've been to a few together um you know that grew and grew and grew your products got better and better and better um your customer base grew and grew and grew um but now you don't have that um i know how important that was that just like face-to-face -face, um mm -hmm. you know meeting your customers um really growing at, at, on a grassroots level what have you been doing this past year? Yeah, so honestly, before the pandemic, it was a huge strategy of ours to get to every event possible. Um, sometimes we do like 10 a month. Um, and so we yeah. did farmers markets. We were doing SOA in Boston, that was 26 weeks last year, every Sunday. Um, and we had signed up for that, plus a Saturday market for 26 weeks that was canceled. Um, well, I guess it wasn't canceled. They just did it and it was, no one showed up pretty much. Hmm. So um, yeah, we really had to pivot. Um, also, our wholesale accounts, which used to account for about half of our business, just plummeted. Um, yeah. No one was really placing orders or they were closed. Um, some people were placing orders, but probably re reduced 75% um, with no events. We just really pivoted and focused right to consumers. Um, obviously, we have great partners and Canna planners, and you guys help us with our website, and we focused on SEO. Um, we also hired a public relations um, person on retainer. So while that's an investment, he's been incredible to help us with just getting on blogs, meet, meeting people, getting products out to people. Um, also getting us coverage. We were just interviewed by the Boston business journal. Um, and that's all because he, he pitches us and sees who picks us up. So, um, and this year we're also focusing really a lot on local, um, We'll talk about it in a little bit, I'm sure, but we can start to sell our products and dispensaries here in Massachusetts soon. So with that focus, having a public relations person, Josh uh, Milney, who's amazing. He's out of Waltham. Um, he actually helped me last summer with the Mass Hemp Coalition. Shout out, much Josh. <laughs> yes. And he helped us at pretty much no cost last summer. So we hired him this year and he's been amazing. So really focusing on how do we reach new people without events and retail um, it's been interesting, but all you can do is pivot, be creative, be willing to be flexible and also be ready to send some money because things cost yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I guess, I guess when comparing, you know, when you're removing aspects of budgets, you know, travel and, and mm -hmm. boots, they're not cheap, you know, they're, they're a couple grand in no. some, some instances, but or more. Um, yeah, yeah, more plus, plus the whole outfit of the booth, like it, it it can be a, a very large investment. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, a, for me at least, you know, among the clients of Canna planners, it's not a terribly, you know, it's not a unique story, right? Like all of these businesses are facing sort of this trauma of, you know, what's happening right now and are, are forced to rethink things. And I think it's, you know, for sure shown, a lot of a lot of businesses the the value of the internet right and how to best uh reach new people that you would have otherwise maybe met in person at a farmer's market or a trade show or 
you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's awesome. And of, course, you that. of course, social media helps, but I've been shadow Absolutely. banned several times this year on Instagram, which is just so frustrating. So I don't even yeah. post anything. It's so crazy that we get in trouble. I think it's, I don't know. I'm not I, even sure. Before this, before this very podcast, my friend, I logged into Facebook, which I don't often do. You know, everything's tied to Facebook. I don't yeah. often go there. Um, and I got a notification. I go there enough that I would, you know, have seen this notification. It was actually from a post from 2017. Um, mm -hmm. And it says, you know, we're removing this post because it you know, drugs or something. I don't know, but it was from Nikan. It was a, it was a picture of like the floor of Nikan or something like that. So <laughs> social media is ridiculous. And, and, you know, yeah. for sure, you know, we, you and I have, have, have talked about this and it's, it's been an issue for us. And I think, you know, part of the responsibility of companies like yours, companies like mine, um, who are really mm -hmm. like figuring, building the bridge as we cross it, which is something I say too much, um, but really, that's what we're doing. We're writing the book as we're reading it. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use, like we're we're figuring this stuff out as we do it. Um, and and you know, we're not a, we're not um, allowed a lot of the same resources that you know other businesses outside of our our little industry are, and it's it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, the value is is we're still finding new and unique ways to build value in the brand you know you know so um i want to talk a little bit because you are a, a, a i'm sure your pr agent has no lack of material to go on with you you are like beyond being an amazing entrepreneur a successful businesswoman you are heavily involved in the community <laughs> i want to talk to you uh, beyond being the uh what is it? The I don't want to make you tell me. I'll figure this out. It's the the 2020 Business Advocate of the Year. That I Ma cannabis. Yeah, ca cannabis activist of the year. I guess it's 2019. Sorry, I made you say. I that. got the award, <laughs> and I didn't know this for like the whole year. So I guess it's technically a 2019 award. But yeah, but there's no events, so it holds I know, up. So you know, like it rolls over. You will <laughs> continuously does. be the champion. Uh, and I found I doubt out at the end of 2020, so it was confusing. Yeah. Thanks, Nikan. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, love them. Big shout out. Definitely Big shout out, love them. Um, <laughs> I want to talk to you a bit about the the activism part of it. For for me, it, you know, it. I don't want to say it was a small part of my journey because I feel like, just as a cannabis entrepreneur, it's a never ending part of your journey. Mm -hmm. um, but it. It wasn't, it wasn't an important foot in the door for me because I, I, while I was, you know, uh, casually involved in, I'm a medical patient as well, but you know, like I, I'm very outside of the, the whole thing, and especially being in Vermont, it, it was mm. a very small community of, of, you know, entrepreneurial people working in the cannabis space. Um, for sure, lots of black market stuff, but um, so anyway, like for me, the, the, the small role I took in activism was a, was really just like a way to meet up with like-minded people. Um, and I did, you know, like I, I made a lot of really meaningful relationships with that. I was wondering if maybe like you had a similar experience or, you know, you, you've managed to, you're still involved, you know, way more than I ever was. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering if you just talk about the activism part of it and why it's been such an important part of, you know, you. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So early 2016, I went to my first Women Grow Boston event. And that was, first of all, I almost didn't go. I was so nervous to go. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go to an event with no one I know in the middle of Boston, downtown at night in the middle of the winter. But I was like, I got to do this. I want to meet like-minded people. I want to get in the industry. I was like two months out of Northeastern. Um, So I went to the event and I loved it. I met amazing women. There were like, I don't know, 12 people there. Went to the next one, went to the next one. Then at the third one, they announced they were um, kind of opening up spots for volunteers. So I sent in my application and I ended up getting brought on. There was only two people brought on. So it was just Beth Waterfalls, um, Takia, mm. Anthony, Price, and then myself. And uh, I was the membership chair and also just kind of helped run all the events and come up with ideas. So I did all that volunteer for, I think like probably about a, close to a year before we closed and started Elevate Northeast. Um, I guess it was a year and a half, actually, it was a while. Um, and that was everything to starting the Healing Rose. I mean, when I launched the Healing Rose, I had this huge supportive network of close to like 100 women that have gone to in and out of events. And I was able to go to event each month, hand out samples, you know, do raffle prizes at them. And that was really helpful for us first in those beginning days, obviously throughout, but I don't know if we would have been able to move as quickly if I didn't have that network for my activism. So that was amazing. People just knowing me, people trusting me, um, that led to a lot of speaking opportunities. And I hated public speaking in college. Like you could not catch me with it. I remember like my first day of college, I was like, are we going to have to do a lot of public speaking at this? And she was like, yes, absolutely. And I was like, no, this is not good. Um, but I always kind of like facing my fears. And now that I, I sign up for a lot of public speaking and it gets I've easier. seen you do a few keynotes here, you know. Thank you. You're I great. Feel, <laughs> I feel like it's, my anxiety still gets to me sometimes. But that's sure, you're human. From, yeah, and I have really bad anxiety. So sometimes if that gets to me, I'm just like, I'm glad I did this. I'm always out of my comfort zone doing that. And that's always empowering. Um, but yeah, that comes with also activism. Like I've spoken on the Freedom Rally stage in front of thousands of people, th- thousands of stone people, mind you. So it's like the nicest sure, of course. to speak in front of, um, but it's, it is still nerve wracking. Um, and then, so throughout that, you know, Elevate, I've been involved with, I'm still on the board of directors. And then 2019 came around um, June last year and we had just moved into our new facility in Newburyport and the uh, Massachusetts Department of Agriculture put out a notice pretty much saying CBD is not allowed in food, not allowed in pet products. You can't sell CBD flour to end consumers and just threw like a whole wrench in the, the industry here in Massachusetts. I remember um, well. Yeah, so it was pretty crazy. And within 48 hours, we organized a huge, um, what was the start of the Massachusetts Hemp Coalition first meeting. And I think we had like 20 something people here in Newburyport. We had dozens of people calling in on the phone, trying to come up with a plan. Um, within two weeks, we organized a state house rally. We had meetings with legislative reps. We got a lot of amazing people on board. Um, I think at the state house rally, we had 22 or 24 people actually speak on the steps. We had the press there um, and we were just making a lot of noise, letting people know it's not okay. And that led to um, meetings with MDAR and again with legislators. And while things move slowly here in Massachusetts and they're not where we want them to be, um, things have been progressing. We just um, got a hemp amendment passed the annual budget, which took a lot of work from activists. 
Um, Hillary King really kind of led the, the charge here in Massachusetts, but it was a really a core group of us and just reaching out to legislators and you learn, you know, if you make a lot of noise, your legislators listen. They, you, they represent us. And if you reach out to them, their job is to reach back out to you. So kind of learning that you, you can have your voice heard. I know a lot of people feel powerless sometimes, but on the local political level, you can actually make a difference, especially if you organize and power in numbers for sure. So that's, been that's where it all starts really anyway, helpful. right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, so you've been like, like, obviously you've been, you've been heavily involved. Have you tried to, well, let's talk about, so with, with, with the new hemp amendment, is that what allows, uh, hemp, uh, CBD products into the dispensaries? Yes, exactly. And we're not, I mean, that's so huge. <laughs> that's so Yeah, huge. I'm not sure of the timeline yet. Um, sure. reaching out to people and making sure that they know I'm, I would like to be involved with any kind of planning of that and creating the regulations, but it's going to be happening in 2021, hopefully Q1. I really hope so. Um, that'd be obviously huge for the healing rose, but I'm really excited for hemp farmers. Hemp farmers keep getting thrown wrenches and like, I guess, pickaxes and all these awful things. You're not getting any help. Um, and so if they can sell their flour directly to consumers and dispensaries, they can go from like 25, 50, hundred dollars a pound to, I don't even, I don't know the math on that, what they're going to get, but yeah, it's multiples more than that. So it's going to be huge. I love hearing it because it just, it just brings the, you know, the, the you know, without, without using too many buzzwords, the full spectrum of just like the, the healing cannabinoids, uh, you know, it brings them closer together, obviously in Massachusetts, but allowing the customers, consumers to kind of figure out what's going to work for them and, and having all of these things kind of hopefully under one roof. Yeah, and as you know, like it's not just CBD. It's you know CBG being widely available now. Um, there's you know varieties of CBC strains that are being worked on. So it's going to open up the door to many different cannabinoids and growing a lot more affordably under the sun with less like regulations, hopefully. Um, yeah. Or at least even if the same, but making it more accessible to small businesses and farmers. Let's talk about products because you have a lot, and I know it's you know they've they've grown over the years. How do you, can you talk a little bit about like, you know, where do these ideas come from? Sort of how, how do you sort of plan out a product line? Um, you know, how much test, you know, I, I know a lot of testing and R&D goes, goes into these things, obviously, but like, you know, how are you ideating? How often are you kind of going to the lab, you know, yeah, trying to so expand and, and figure out what works? That's a very relevant question to this past week because we have been doing so much planning and R and D right now. I can't even tell you how excited I am. Our, tell me, so yes, please. This okay, is yeah, what you're so to do. we have. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, so we have a list of probably like 15 different product lines I'd love to launch. I know that's like so ambitious. Lines. Like, I, I am not joking. Um, we already have six product lines right now. So we do have solves, um, massage oils, roll-on oils, lip balms, bath soaks, um, extracts. I think I did, did I forget one there. And I, yeah, that was it. So the, and our CBD oils, we consider our extracts. Um, but yeah, no, we are going to be, by the time this podcast airs, we'll have our new massage oils on the market. So we're going from two options to four. 
we're doubling the strengths, keeping the pricing the same. That's kind of been that's a theme. Huge. Of, that's been a theme of our um, launches as we relaunch product lines to try to compete, also make more effective products and more accessible products for people, um, which I think is going to be the trend in you know in this space. Um, we're going to be doing a, a face line, so hopefully that's either about to launch um, by the time this comes out. But we've been working on that for a year. Um, the bath soaks. So we much launched. planning. So in the more the bigger you get, the more you plan. It's like yeah. I can't rush this. Um, in the early days, it <laughs> totally. was a lot different, but we also had failed products that we just that didn't do well in the market that we had to pull. So try to avoid that. Um, but the bath soaks bags, we ordered like eight thousand dollars worth of bags. So when you're making that type of investment, you want it to be perfect. Um, totally. I also, and I also do all the marketing designs. So I do all the label designs, um, just did all the marketing materials. I did all the design on that. And there's like, a, as, as you know, you do, you do design work and that, there's like a special type of like satisfaction that comes from creating something that you know is going to be in people's homes and loved by them. So I, I love the whole process. Anytime we can get out of the day-to-day -day of, running the website and everything and get into the creative part. That's like when my soul feels alive and Zach and I get really excited and we're like, Oh my God, can't wait to launch this. And yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Well, how do you, I mean, that's a, that's a exponential growth in, in products, right? So like, yeah, I know we're going to be over time. <laughs> well, totally. I mean, there, there's yeah. going to, there's a lot that, that will go into production, but also, you know, like the pre-planning, right. You have a whole, you have a, 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 a lot of, retail partners currently right so you know you have to let them know that this is coming and you know get them all amped up about it plus you want to be able to like promote it into your your general customer base and probably break into new markets um how do you you know between doing all that and production and you know you're, you're creating all the labels and doing all of this stuff how do you figure out how to prioritize all that that is really difficult. Um, I'd say yeah. probably one of the biggest struggles of all entrepreneurs is staying organized and staying on top and prioritizing. Um, this fall, I was back in doing production, hands-on, making the like finishing the products off and stuff, which I don't. Oh, you'll want. you'll find me making a website here and there. Every so yeah. often, I've I've fell back into. We unfortunately create, had to let, a page. <laughs> yeah, we had to let two employees go in one day, which I we've only fired three employees in four years, and it, two were in one day. So. Yeah, let us do a little short staffed, but that's okay. I'm all about yeah. pivoting. I'm all about totally. it. I, I do like getting back in the lab. It's a nice distraction. If I can go work on products for eight hours and put like, you know, some podcasts on or music and just zone out. I like, I'd do it more if Zach didn't pull me out. He's like, no, we have people for that, Laura. I'm like, but I, I could go in there and I could just like do some labeling. But so thankfully that when I don't have to worry about more of the day-to-day -day stuff and I can focus on the big picture stuff, um, that's definitely a goal for 2021. We've been hiring and building out a really great team um, that's going to kind of allow me to look at the high level stuff instead more. But we are still doing like shipping and stuff because we did have to let go of our shipping team member. But that's okay. That's okay. That's a small business. You put on all the different hats. That's how it is. You got to. And sometimes you get you you have the luxury of being able to take them off. And and sometimes you have the the burden of having to put it back on and, and then some. So yeah, I yeah. totally get that. I'm currently dealing with this, like the emotion of, cause you know, we're, 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 we're at similar trajectories just in terms of like the, the timelines of our companies, you know, we've been around, mm -hmm. I, maybe you've been around a, a year or two, a little longer than us, but you know, we're, we're along the same parallel. Um, and I'm, I've had the luxury of being able to take off a lot of 
paths recently. And I'm, I'm, I'm now going, I have this emotion of being a little depressed because now I'm not sure what to do. I, I can only focus on big picture stuff as opposed to like, yeah. You know, and you don't get that instant satisfaction. Like me putting on a label, or like someone else can put on that label, Laura, but I'm like, but it feels really good to do it. Yeah, but like, I, I, can, I can do it. I can do it. They're like, shut up old man. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, well, can you please get out of the way? <laughs> it's yeah, honestly, it's hard. I mean, it's been happening for sure. You know, uh, well, well, I've got this. Um, <laughs> But I think that's just a modicum of scale. Like that's just something that you, you know, I feel, you know, it, it, it's bittersweet. On some levels, it sucks, but you know, it's. I also understand that it's uh, an effect of growing and and being able to grow this team. And I, you know, I, I you, you'd probably agree that ultimately, you know, the growth of the company, the growth of the Healing Rose, is the most important thing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you've mentioned Zach a couple times. Can we get, yeah. can we get a little schmoopy? <laughs> Let's get schmoopy. So, okay. So, <laughs> uh, in addition to watching you be able to, you know, like I said before, you got it right. You, you, you knew what you were doing coming into this. This was very, you, you had a, a good game plan and you executed confidently and successfully. Right. And you still are, um, uh, in addition to that, I, I, watching you do that, I also watched this guy who was sort of always, you know, he's always around you, but he was, he's an amazing <laughs> salesman, Zach, who is now your fiance. Uh, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and one of the things I noticed, and this is something like in the beginning of my, you know, entrepreneurial venture, it didn't cross my mind, you know, ever working with my my wife, my life partner, my significant other, but I watch you're, you're one of like two or three companies who uh, have been able to make that dynamic work and not only work like thrive. And, mm. you know, when I see you guys uh, working together at the booth, it's, you know, it's hugely inspirational. It, I, it made me jealous. You know, I, I wanted that. I was like, okay, I have the, you know, the, co- the company's coming together, but I'm still, I don't feel whole. I want, you know, mm-hmm. I wish my wife was here doing this thing with me. And now she is, you know, and it was, it was, uh, so thank you for that. I kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in the dynamic of that actually. Like, you know, how do you guys make that work for my wife and I, we, have opposite schedules and luckily I'm on the phone almost all of the day so mm-hmm. um we're able to you know uh compartmentalize ourselves kind of with our within our own day-to-day um but we're still kind of in it together to, to build this thing and, and make it a, a success how do, you, how do you guys make it work yeah, I think Zach and I are really lucky in that we I've, I've been friends with him since I was 14 years old so we've always just kind of had that really like good friendship. Um, we always like had crushes on each other, but like dating never worked out until about six and a half years ago when we started to date. You're, to you're date just lending even more adorable contacts. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, we were roommates for almost a year. And um, I just like realized it was like one day I had this epiphany. I was like, we'd be like perfect old people together. And then I like cried. Wow. And I was like, I think I love Zach. And I was my best friend. And she's like, oh, my God, this is happening. This is like a really intense moment. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, yeah, I was camping. And I like went back home. And it all just happened that night. I was like, I, I you know, we, we pretty much just went from friends to, to being in a re- relationship. And I was like, I love you. And 
he's like, and we had one moment when we were roommates. Finally. Yeah, we had, exactly. He'd been crushing on me, I guess, for a long time. And I had been like, you're always like my best friend. And yep. then, um, yeah, I had a roommate or a roommate situation with him where a friend was like, you guys are going to get married one day. And I was like, Zach, like Ben thinks we're going to get married one day. How funny is that? And he was like, and I was like, why is it so awkward? And I was like, why is he laughing? <laughs> that poor guy. He's like, little did you, little did you know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I did not expect her to say this to me, like, all this stuff. So it was just like, I was like, does Zach like me? And then months later, we ended up realizing that we were just such good partners. I mean, we were like great roommates. We never fought. It was so easy to be with him. There's nothing that feels forced. I could spend forever with him. I don't get sick of Zach. And we have like a really nice yin and yang balance. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. every couple has their little disagreements and things like that. And like, I'm, they would never say we're perfect. But we have this like really amazing balance of like our skills and personality. We're different in a lot of ways and it really complements. Um, mm-hmm. He's introverted, I'm extroverted, um, but he's also like, he, he can do phone calls really well and he's fine with talking to strangers and I don't love that. Or he does actually all of the um, formulations. So that was all Zach coming up with all the formulas. He's a cook's mind, um, he has a culinary school. And I'm more of the marketing person, um, mm-hmm. but he's also really, really business savvy. So we're always, sure. it's so helpful living with the person that you do have a business with because it's just, the, I agree. the, the business need, meeting never ends. You know, we constantly have ideas. We, oh, do you remember this? Do you forget that? Like, you know, oh yeah, we have to do that. It's just, it makes things really easy. Um, and our schedules were pretty much always together. <laughs> the pandemic has, you know, forced us together a, a lot and I, I don't hate it. It's brought us closer together and made us fall more in love honestly and I mean I normally that's a beautiful thing yeah and I think this pandemic has tested a lot of people um but I like am more grateful than ever for Zach and once you know I I do coach basketball and I do try to do things outside of business and my life that give me you know the time away so you can have that healthy balance um but yeah I do a basketball starting next week or a week and a half so that's awesome. I'll be coaching over at my high school again, uh, third season of JV there. So, and you guys, nice you guys were, you guys crushed it last season. Oh well, I so I was coaching was like, two basketball teams for two years, which was insane. God bless Zach. He really helped me out there, <laughs> cooking the meals and keeping stuff clean. Because I was like, ah, how am I coaching two teams? But um, yeah, I started, coach, I started coaching a team in fifth grade. Um, they're in high school now, but when they were in fifth grade. And I committed to coaching them all until they were, you know, off to high school. So when they were in seventh grade, I got asked by my old high school, hey, do you want to coach JV basketball? And I couldn't say no. I loved my old high school. I, went to, I was, a, was a boarding school, so it was like my home. So I was like, yes, I want to come back and coach, and it's paid. So I just couldn't say no to the other teams. So I coached them for two seasons, and thank God that's over. And now I can just coach basketball over at my high school, which is 10 minutes down the road. Just one, one gig. Or, yeah, you know, and they, they feed me dinner in the dining hall. I can go get meals anytime. That's awesome. <laughs> it's the little things, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a that is a beautiful thing, and like I said, it wasn't you know it was inspirational watching kind of watching you guys evolve as a couple and as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it, it was you and and a couple other uh, you know clients of mine who were just like, you know, really trying to create a a cohesive and fulfill you know life of fulfillment you know just Mm -hmm. having just finding being able to find joy in in 
not only, you know, the personal relationship, but also like, you know, the empires we're trying to build. Yeah. And I will say if you're starting a business, like that is your life. If you're going to be starting a business without getting capital and investors, I mean, even if you do that, it's it's a lot, but we scrapped it and we were sleeping at air mattresses in our office many, many times. Like if you don't have a partner that's going to match your hustle and be okay with, you know, pretty much sacrificing a lot from your life, it's just not going to work. But when you find that match, it is way more powerful. I mean, I couldn't do this without Zach. I mean, he literally works just as hard as me, you know, it's sometimes harder on events. He's, he's the trooper that'll wake up at like six in the morning, go set up. And then I can sleep in like that. He's just the best partner I could ever ask for. So like the healing rose would not be without Zach. I mean, he creates all the formulas. Well, I get a lot of the credit as like the face. And he, he doesn't mind that. He hates being the face. Like if someone asks him for an interview, he's like, can Laura do that interview? I don't want to do the yeah. interview. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm fine with doing that too. Um, that's totally fine with me. And it's just, it's, the, it's, it's that we have that balance. really nice yin yeah, and yang in that balance. Yeah, you can't so have people that to compete for spotlight either. You kind of need that one person that's willing to, to do that too. I mean, you can have balance in that sense, but it is kind of helpful to have someone as the face and someone who's willing to kind of do the back stuff too. Well, like I was saying, I I think we, we, as entrepreneurs, it's important that you recognize that everything you do is for the betterment of, of the company. I try, I even like persona, you know, I'm sure you do this too. I like personify the company. It's like a kid. It's like a baby I had that like used to live in the nursery and now it's kind of living in the apartment above the garage, you know, sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta go check Uh, in on the kids. I gotta check in on the kids always and make sure that like um they're growing and they're healthy and and you know Mm -hmm. um being able to, you know, that balance it's it's so so important. It's so so important. Especially if like um you can both kind of remove the ego of of the whole Mm -hmm. thing as best you can, you know, of course. Yeah. You know, so we all have ego, but yeah. Oh yeah, we all we all have it. But like, <laughs> as long as we have that that realization that like this kid living in the apartment above the garage is more important than the singular I or even like yeah. the collective we. Like we're doing it's so this much for bigger. That. Yeah, especially you have so many clients now, and we have so many customers. It's, it it becomes so much bigger than you. So I totally understand yeah, that. Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I think that's kind of a beautiful spot to, to put a pin in it. I really appreciate your time. Can you tell the five people listening and the 12 people watching? I'm just kidding. Can you tell the people <laughs> listening and watching where they can find you? We will, of course, link you in the description below uh, and the description of the podcast. But tell people where to find you. Yeah, of course. So you can check out our website, which is developed and maintained by Canna Planners, www.thehealingroseco.com. And then on Instagram, thehealingrose underscore, but you might have to type in fully if we are shadow banned um, to make it difficult to find us. Um, Even even with 7,300 followers or whatever, it's still whatever and uh facebook you can type in the healing rose boston um on tiktok we're just straight the healing rose um dance videos in the warehouse yeah it's and we're trying to do some um educational content we're actually filming some tiktoks today so trying to get out there reach the 
the younger crowd, you know, let them know about TV. Not like under 21, I just mean the younger crowd. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Laura Beaner, founder, CEO of The Healing Rose, a wonderful CBD product brand uh, based in Massachusetts. You're the best. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you, Will. I appreciate you. Absolutely.